0: With me in my foul life,
1: we back. Wildfowl, what's up, everybody? The Foul Life Podcast. Hope y'all are enjoying the giant gear issue. Co host Skip Knowles is still with us, he's been unbelievable so far. The guy's knowledge I mean, his ability to put words on paper with a pencil, he still uses an old fashioned typewriter. He reminds me. Of that movie misery when the guy gets his ankles broke that's the kind of writer that skip is this dude is so passionate he's like a nerd like he'll get into the duck blind with you and just start dissecting the entire hunt and when you read an article that he writes it just makes you live through the man's typewriter that's what i love about you skip Knowles. how are you my brother
0: very good man very good um my wife calls me i never lets me get full of myself she calls me an ed- ed- nerd. Ed- a nerd very glamorous it's not quite
1: like editor-in-chief Ed nerd. Erd yeah. Ed a Erd we also have on the podcast you've heard him here before probably I don't know if he's the coolest guy I know in the waterfowl industry but he's in the top three for sure laid back fun to party with fun to hunt with fun to eat with i've eaten sushi with this guy i've eaten crawfish with this guy i've eaten barbecue with this guy i've cooked with this guy i've had bonfires with this guy i've been all over with this guy he's one of the best hunters i know drew keith ceo of honey break louisiana how are you my brother
2: doing good hell i thought you were talking about beckham oh you were well
1: josh is our last guest today josh beckham he is I met Josh in Devin Singleton through a timber hunt in Arkansas, and the dude can just absolutely get after Mallard Ducks. He now works full-time for Banded Brands. He he knows the brand forwards and backwards like the back of his hand and he lives this life he is in the field whether he's hunting whether it's off season he's training one of his badass labs he's an amateur dog trainer competition guy tons of ribbons tons of titles josh beckham band of brands how are you my man
3: pretty good pretty good just getting back in the swing of things getting ready for a big fall
1: i love to hear it this is the Wildfowl. this is the annual giant gear issue Dude. i know y'all got it drew i've been saying this for a long time that if i walk into a duck hunting lodge such as the world-renowned honey break one of the nicest in the world and i don't see this magazine laying somewhere around i don't take that lodge of the operation series serious is that fair to say that's fair to say thank you very much today's episode is about this section right here for all of y'all watching on youtube or the foul life tv you can check it out right there clothing waiters and camo this section's important i want to ask you all this i'm going to start with you drew and i'm going to move to beckham and i'm going to end it with skip i want all of your opinion you often hear this said thrown around in our industry man i wish i'd have been alive during the golden years i wish i would have got to hunt during the golden years man back in the day i bet you it was just rain and ducks well let me tell you something in my opinion this is the golden years and this is one of the big reasons why drew keith is is this kind of stuff that we get to wear in today's hunting would you agree with this and please give us your opinion on that statement i just made
2: well uh for sure it's the golden years. i mean if you look at the numbers uh the numbers are definitely higher but it, uh the numbers as far as the ducks are higher now what, what's different is there's so many more duck hunters now and uh you have so many different people up and down the flyway i mean look at the, the central flyway i mean it's just blossomed over the last Five to ten years, um, so to me, yes, we're, we are in the in the golden years. Uh, yes, I do remember uh, back in the day when you could go out there to Catahoula Lake or you go to the Delta and you just see the sky black out uh, like clay pools. I mean, it just that's just stuff that. But back then, that was kind of the only spots where the that where you had habitat for. So now you got all these different farmers and all these different landowners up and down the flyway there that are taking spots that normally or historically weren't. Uh, waterfowl impoundments and and making those so uh you got more you got more spots to spread them out kind of like us us in in louisiana on a wet year you know uh on a dry year we can pump so we're good but on a wet year they're they're spread out because you know food water and pressure is why that's going to move so you're you're applying pressure in in those uh uh historical spots they're going to go to the uh non-traditional areas that, that they have no pressure going on and and that's when the camouflage comes plays a, a, uh, a much larger factor.
1: Yeah, I agree, hundred percent. And Beckham, take what Drew just said and talk about the golden years also transitioning into kids, women, new people in the outdoors, guys that have been hunting for years, like all of us on this podcast right here. Are we warmer? Are we drier? Are we more comfortable? Do we get to stay in the blind longer? Can we adhere the elements a lot more? We're like in the golden age of technology and innovation right now. Is that fair to say, Josh Beck and brand banded brands?
2: Let me, let me cut back in. I I was going to, that's where I was going next. But as far as the, as far as the development in the gear, you, you, when we were growing up, you didn't have anything like we had, you, you you hunted wet, you hunted cold. Uh, Now in the the advances in technology, I mean, uh, I mean, there's gears, like, especially in Louisiana, as mild as it is, you know, hot, sweating. If you get too if you get too dry on the, on the outside, you're going to be sweating on the inside. So, uh, the the gear has definitely made it where it's more comfortable for, for the person who's not that diehard hunter to go hunting and still have a good time.
1: Uh, I couldn't agree more. Beckham, do you agree with what Drew's saying?
3: 100 percent. I agree. You know, the, the golden years, we talked about it this past weekend. Simmons had their big tent sale. And we were sitting there talking about the Aspire series that we have. We'll touch on that later. But what what Drew just said is sweat on the inside. Well, the technology has changed that. And the Aspire is kind of targeting what he just said and and fixing that. But, yes, staying drier, warmer, you know, from from a three-year-old to a a 63-year-old, it doesn't matter. You know, there's something for everybody. And it's not, oh, go down there and get your your eight-year-old a, you know, cotton button-up shirt and a cotton pant and taking duck hunting. Because he's probably not going to stay long, he may lose interest. So we have jackets and waiters that are just like the grown men or the the grown woman to put that kid in, and vice versa. And, and we can make everybody comfortable and everybody enjoys it. And you know, <clears throat> yes, the numbers are, of ducks are higher, but just like Drew said, the number of duck hunters are higher too.
1: Now, Skip, you sit in that office, and I assume that being a writer and being as influential as you are in this game, as well as your entire crew at OSG and Wildfowl Magazine. You probably get to test a lot of this gear. You probably get invited on rider hunts for manufacturers like Bandit and other manufacturers. There's a lot of manufacturers that are building great gear right now. Bandit is leading the way in a lot of the innovation, in my humble opinion. But I also understand it and admit that there is a lot of good stuff out there. Does it blow your mind, Skip Knowles, when you open that box and put your hands on some of the stuff being created today?
0: Oh, I just love it, man. There's such a push for innovation. Um that uh, you know, I could I could count on one hand the the top brands, even just 10, 12, 15 years ago, who are making innovative kick-butt stuff, they're keeping us drier and warmer than ever. But that number seems to increase every year. Um, Browning's come on so strong with their lines. Forlow just came out. Like Drake and Van have always been leaders, and then of course Sitka. But um, there's so much more selection now, and the prices seem to be getting more and more reasonable. And this the the mentality of approaching getting dressed for the outdoors in terms of a layered system just changed everything. But before we get too much into the details about um, how everything is so much better and, and you know tape seams and everything that we enjoy now, I think we should all tell a story about being absolutely miserable and uh, the uninsulated rubber boots of our youth. Anyone under 30, I think has probably some horror stories. And uh, And I think, I hate to say, we're not as tough as we used to be, but with all the competing elements of the internet kids always blue facing on their phones and all that if we don't keep them warm and dry out there they're not just because <laughs> anyway, they want to be with dad and there's nothing else to do there's a lot else to do now so right. i think it's, it's almost important in the recruitment of hunters but if you guys have some horror stories about gear from when you're the, the the olden days that weren't so great as far as gear i'd love to hear it um I,
2: i'm trying to i'm trying to think of the of a worse one and are, are there so many um, <laughs> Do you have ones where you needed snakeproof I, boots? And didn't have no, my, my 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 dad had a, a boat store and sporting goods store in Johnson, and um, uh, it seems like I was I always had the worst gear. I, I would have you know uh, my, my grandmother' grocery store there, and, and she would take the uh, uh, bread wrappers, you know, for the, the little yeah, and put those over my over my socks. <laughs> bread, so, so bag. my bread bags over my socks, so my red ball. Uh, boots would, you know, if I went over them, it was taller than my boots. Well, all that did, you know what that did, she had duct tape at the top, well, that made my feet sweat. So miserable, miserable. I mean, it's like I had a little icebergs for feet. I mean, I, I can remember riding three-wheelers and, and uh, you know, drizzling rain and, and just like it was freezing and, and you had to take turns holding your, holding your hand on, on the throttle because this hand would get so cold you had to stick it down inside your jacket like in your armpit <laughs> you know, then chain back to the other one because you thought your hand was going to fall off. And just in recent years, probably the last eight years, we're so used to riding in Polaris's, you know, with our side by sides with a windshield. And so I dress appropriately, you know, and uh, I had this one spot on my personal property that I couldn't hunt um, with a UTV. I had to take a a forwarder. So I get on the forwarder, and back then I didn't have a camp down there, just had to ride from the highway. And it was about a three and a half, four mile ride. I mean, just straight down a power line. And by the time I got about Half a mile down there, that north wind was hitting me in the face. I'm like, I had not put on enough clothes. It was the same thing. I, I had flashbacks so that three was in my hands were about to freeze to, the, <laughs> to that uh the handlebars versus being behind that windshield. Just just that little bit of a difference made a huge difference. I got we're spoiled. So we are Minnesota.
0: I mean, you're down there in the warm belt.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: But maybe <coughs> after
3: it. You never know. What's that? It said it may be 15 one day and 80 the next you know <laughs>
2: that's right yeah if you don't like the weather in louisiana hang around a couple of days it'll change
1: what what is the drew skip mentioned layering i've been down in the in the the bottom of the lodge when all the guides gather and it could you know it might get wet that day it might be raining like crazy it might be 80 like beckham just talked about but layering is important when you have a climate like louisiana beckham's from louisiana too you guys have to deal with a lot of different elements like i'm not saying that montana doesn't but if you're hunting ducks in montana in december you're probably going to need to stay warm because it's going to be below freezing it might be zero degrees right but when you're in louisiana you have to be prepared for a lot of different possibilities in any given day I've seen right. it I've witnessed it so what do you appreciate Drew what do you look for in when you wake up do you have a go-to now that every day is the same and your wife is worn out because you won't wash it or do you put something <laughs> new on every day
2: no no I, I've, I've got about I've got about four uh four or five of the of the go-to outfits that I you know that that's my kind of my base every day um like the first time that Chad ever came to uh, hunting Break hunting, it it, it freaking snowed down there, and I was like, "He's like, man, it's gonna be awesome." I said, "Dude, you don't understand. We're not set up for this, you know the 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 gas line or the throttle cables on the gator tails were froze up. The steering were froze. I mean, it's just everything. I mean, the the, the drive shafts, the brakes that we watched the uh, we had to quit watching the Rangers at night." and put them inside the shed because when you wash them off the the brakes would freeze and not be able to move. So, so, but as far as, as far as us, so we'll start off, you know, meeting everybody at the lodge. Well, you know, you, you, you get that ride going out there in a, in a ranger, well then you're behind a windshield, but all of a sudden you get out there in the boat where you're you're live or six guys gear or all that kind of stuff. I'm hot nature. So I'm going to get, I'm going to get, you know, start getting warm. And uh, by the time you get them all on the blind, and then wait out there and put the mojos out, you know, i you, you've seen it several times. I'm shucking layers, you know, j- just for that first part, you know. Um, and I, then, you know, I'll wear gloves while I'm driving the boat or driving the Ranger, but when I get in the blind, I just I just don't wear gloves. But uh, it's it's uh, if you can't if you can't layer, then you're either going to be hot from I mean, you're going to be uh, sweating, uh, and you're going to get cold, or you're going to be miserable. You know, one of the two.
1: I'm going to move on to Beckham, but I wanted to say about that hunt. I had, I had been all over the country. I think 18 States that year, 16 or 18 States yeah. hadn't yeah, used, hadn't used the ice eater one time. And we get to <laughs> Louisiana of all places and Drew and tack are like, you ain't got any of them ice eaters in your trailer. You? And you guys had some, and I'm like, yeah, I got two or three of them and we're literally out there putting ice eaters in, putting the generators up on the deck floor, the blind. <laughs> and I'm like, this is not, this isn't happening right but i remember leaving arkansas i was waiting I, I yeah i remember i was leaving arkansas and it was froze and we were and i and i looked at christian kurt well, oh christian come down to Honeybreak with me and i look at him in the blind back and i go i was trying to talk like a southerner so i said something like this how long you reckon it would take a mallard duck to get here from arkansas and christian looked at his watch and said by about 10 And at 10 o'clock, these these groups of mallards started coming into Drew's Decoy spread, And I was just like, Were you down at Honey Break with us too, Josh?
3: Yeah, I was at Prairie Rings with you the night before when the big storm came through and we left there and went down to Honey Break. Yeah, you were with
1: me. I ain't telling you anything. You you were there.
3: I remember somebody saying about 10 o'clock, and I remember just droves after droves coming out of the north. And, you know, I think um, I forget who was getting the footage Tyson, maybe had the drone out and you know we pulled it back in they were just
1: coming in on the drone their freaking unreal day at Honeybreak. that's what i love about that place you just you might get a canvas back flock in your dish or 20 mallards in a blue sky but josh what is layering and bandit has a layering system drake had a layering has a layering system a lot of manufacturers do but d- d- tell me how it's going to benefit male and female duck hunters old and new that to keep them out there longer, to be prepared for anything. Cause in this game, we have to do what they call adapting. How can layering help us adapt? And what is layering?
3: Layering in, in our industry now is huge, especially when you start talking about uninsulated waders, uninsulated shell jackets, you know, three-in-ones, et cetera. I'll be the first to tell you before I went to work for bandit, I didn't know anything about layering system, nor did I, I really care about layering system. I wanted to put the most clothes I could cause I thought I was going to be warm hour into the hunt I was sweating I was freezing and I didn't stay long Uh, but as I came to bandit and very very strategic with the layering system so you start off you know we'll go with the base layer you may have a merino wool or a synthetic base layer that they're all different weights depending on where you're at me and Drew we would wear 180 grain uh, gram merino and somewhere in Montana you may wear you know a PrimaLoft base layer they're both they're both going to keep you warm for the environment you're in. You just have to determine which is best for you or your body type. And then we move into that mid-layer, and we have something for everything. You know, a lot of that mid-layer is going to be um, water-resistant, windproof. Some of it is a little waterproof. Um, some's thick, some's thin, some's heavy, some's just a mock pullover. Uh, like our teal season down here, we'll wear a mock pullover. And that's it, it may be 85 degrees at daylight. And then we move into the shield where you start talking about full weather protection as far as waterproof, ice, wind, you name it, it's gonna protect you. And then you start talking about the liners that zip in and zip out of it and different grams of Primaloft that we put in it, our HARS insulation that we put in some of our jackets. And then you start connecting that with the waiter. And if we could educate people fully, and we've done a really good job at doing it. A lot of people understand that layering system now. We take an uninsulated waiter, and we can sell to everybody and they can layer up. And, and they can't get it through their head that they're wearing an insulated waiter, but we still offer that same insulation in a pant or, or a layer piece. And and you can do away with, uh, you know, whatever it costs to do away with the insulation in the waiter. And everybody go to an uninsulated wader, but there's some people that have it stuck in their head that they have to have an insulated wader. And that's not, that's not the case all the time.
1: I love the idea that the layering can give the waterfowl hunter the ability to hunt all of these different possibilities in weather, because if I do what you just told me to do, I can survive the elements and stay comfortable on a very, very cold hunt in Idaho, Wyoming, Montana, North Dakota, Nebraska. I've been fr- I mean, I have froze everywhere, but you can then take that same setup, change your layering system with that same waiter, and go down and hunt teal in Florida and be fine. That's unbelievable because I don't know how many times, like you mentioned Tyson or a cameraman where I'm like, well, put those waiters on. And we're in California in the Butte sink and it's going to be 79 that day. And he's cussing me by 9 a.m. because his insulated waiters are destroying his psyche, right? He can't even be creative and keep the camera on because he's so pissed off at me, right? This has given us the ability to Adapt and be better hunters for longer. Skip. When you hear Josh Beckham and Drew talk like that, is this what you're doing? I know I made mention of your old school antics with your typewriter, but have you evolved into this layering system in all of your hunting travels?
0: Typewriters are fad. We're gonna go back to writing with pen and paper any day now. <laughs> um, now I, you know I kinda not to toot my own horn, but being a Western big game hunter and waterfowler from the Pacific Northwest in Washington spending so many days in 10 degree goose pits and up on Skagit Flats on the saltwater side where everything's just so wet all the time. We got a real handle on layering probably 20 years ago. Um, I've been in the fundamental most important thing uh, for the upper is to have a wicking lower layer, something that breeds nothing that's cotton. And I'll get the moisture off you. Some of it's kind of polypropylene still works, but it kind of smells quicker. I'm a big Merino fan. Any of the Merino base layers are just money comfortable they don't itch and then you can put anything for your mid layer you need a waterproof outer layer i'm from the west i want a hood you southerners don't often wear hoods but when that downpour comes i just want to be able to hide from it waterproof outer layer upper merino or severe wicking base layer and then you can put whatever you want in between you know some things are better than others flannel even hoodies are just fine as a mid layer if you're not going to wear it in the rain but i want that waterproof outer layer and a wicking base layer every single time and i have honestly been wearing mostly 98 percent uninsulated waders for at least
2: 10 years now um you see your range, of, your range of motion so much better now.
0: that's the big thing i watched my buddy mike miller our boat i don't know if you guys saw the editor letter and you uh, know wildfowl our boat drifted off on us this year i didn't dig the anchor in there was no one in this big aluminum skiff but it's Big box flying, it was a kite. We all look up and the boat's two hundred yards away and going across the bay. And my buddy Mike just started getting it. he's a big old fireman, he's about Drew's size, and he had heavy neoprene waders on, and he was very uncomfortable by the time. <laughs> 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 a half, a half mile back. And this breathable and insulated waders are, are 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 the way to go. There's a place for neoprene still. To me, it feels like you're wearing a giant knee brace and it's hard to dry out, but it is rugged. It's undeniably not bad in a in a in a saltwater environment, but even up on the Bering Sea, we wore the very lightly quilted banded um, brand of waders and right there out there on St. Paul Island, you know, America's deadliest catch, one of the nastiest places on earth. And they were extremely warm and comfortable and were just great.
1: Drew, well, you just made mention of you can move so much better. I've seen Drew, I've seen videos of this man wakeboarding like this dude's an athlete now whether or not we all look like athletes anymore i could run at one time i know beckham was a ball player i know skip was a wrestler i watched david taylor win his first two in the olympics last night tech both guys in the second match at 89 kilogram 86 kilograms skip he gets a takedown on him first points he's given up forever and goes on to go six takedowns text him 12 to 2 in the next minute and a half unbelievable olympic wrestling but i want to get back to drew keith for a second this dude is an athlete right tell me about the psyche of a hunter drew and how what we're discussing plays into that psyche. And Beckham, you're more than welcome to chime in on this too. But when I put on this system we're describing and that 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 feeling I get from the waiters and my ease of movement, like you mentioned, Drew Keith, Honeybreak, Louisiana, I feel like I'm gonna be successful. Tell me, does this play a role in today's duck hunter of the 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 better you feel the better you look or vice versa, the better you perform the better, you know, all of this goes together in our confidence level and staying out there longer. We already mentioned, but does it play a role in your confidence, drew?
2: Well, it's it's definitely, uh, yeah, I mean, I I guess it would be a confidence is probably the word, the proper word to use, but yeah, like psyche would be another thing. If you're, if you're sitting there, just like, just like you said, Tyson with the camera guy, it messed his whole hunt up because he knows he's going to be sitting there sweating, you know? So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's just, uh, you, you, if you start positive, you stay positive, you know? So, there's there's so many other things that you can't control that, that can make your day bad. So, we like we like to try to control all those things that we can and just leave the rest up to the good Lord.
1: Josh, when you're at Simmons and other dealer events or you're at your duck camps throughout the fall and winter, what are you hearing? It, do, do, what I just said, do you hear this? Like, I just feel... Better, I feel like I'm going to have success, and I think that that mentality is what what I love about today's innovation. Do you hear this a lot, Beckham?
3: Oh yeah, 100. You know, and and with the new Spire, we've seen it a lot over the last month. We have these displays, and it's kind of cool display that shows how that material is breathing, and people are just blown away by. I didn't know it could get any better, but and and from our standpoint, there's never a finish line in this. We're going to keep continuing to innovate. The waterfowl industry and, and the clothing side of it and another thing it's crazy to me of how many people still wear neoprene waders today
2: yeah you
3: know i hear i heard kids young kids you know 16 18 20 years old and this past weekend i still have my old brush tufts or i still have my old max prairie wings neoprene waders from you know 10 years 12 years ago and it's just crazy to me that with the technology and and the innovation that's out there that somebody is still wearing neoprene. And as it was said earlier, there is a time and place for them, but it's not Louisiana.
1: Well, it's it's funny that you say that, Josh Beckham, because you start to take for granted when you're in them. Like everybody's got these on. I mean, this is no secret. Like you have to have these on. Like, here's a stat for you guys. This blew my mind. I did a podcast the other day with the head of marketing for Traeger Grills. Okay. I know there's a lot of grills out there. I'm thinking like everybody in the world's got a Traeger. These are the best things ever. They make food taste good. They're easy. Da 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 da. Right? 2% of American households have a Traeger grill in their backyard. 2% Two percent and they're doing the numbers they are. I'm like, I thought everybody in the country, at least America had one Th- that's the same mentality that you're talking about is how do you not have these waiters right going going back and taking that big velcro strap over your shoulder and putting it down and hey, we loved them getting them in Cabel from Cabela's or whoever it was they they were awesome, but things advance and it's amazing the mentality that people stay in that and because they don't know how good. It can be is my opinion of it. And I think that through innovation and through technology and through education, more and more people are starting to see like, man, we can get this layering system going. Maybe I don't need to buy the heaviest waders out there anymore and I can still stay dry and warm throughout it. Skip, when you're putting this magazine together and this cover right here says a lot, right, gentlemen, this is what we do. Like a lot of people don't do this. There's four million turkey hunters in America. There's three point five million predator hunters in America. I think there's upwards of skip. Correct me if I'm wrong. Fourteen million deer hunters, and I think there's only about one point seven to two point two million duck hunters. One, it's not easy. Two, it's expensive. No doubt. The have an arsenal and a, a, a portfolio in this game. You got to have a trailer with a dry field setup, or you got to have a boat. You got to have this, whatever. Three. I'm not getting up that early and going out in the cold, dark, wet swamps and walking around the water. This is what we do. This picture says it all, right? So, Skip, when you're putting this magazine together, what is going through your mind personally of getting to this point at your At your age now, Skip, and I know you're still a very young man, but when you're putting this magazine together, does this picture make you feel like a kid at Disneyland, like you can't wait to get back there? Because that's my mentality, man. I want to be right there, wet, with my waiters keeping me dry and warm. I don't care what the elements are. I'm coming out of there with a strap and a happy dog. Skip, are you on
0: mute? I'm sorry, I've got that cough, so I keep trying to make sure that I don't interrupt. You're it, all good. Yeah, that, that's aspirational days of what it's all about, man. And um, the gear makes is so much part of the fun these days in terms of you're going to be more successful if you can stay out there longer, period. Yeah. And you're going to stay out there longer if you're comfortable. You won't be thinking about how your feet hurt. Most of my bad memories from uninsulated rubber boots when I was a kid, most of it involved my feet. I still remember vividly having my toes just ache. Egg- Especially if you're a little kid and you're sitting on a blind your feet are off the floor, it cuts off the circulation of the legs. Ooh, stand up and fall down. So many blinds now have a, (laughs) it's just so fun to go duck hunting. So many people are cooking in the blind. I never really saw that growing up a lot. I didn't see that from any of the hundreds of guides I've hunted with over the years. Um, But it seems like everyone who has a boat now is is starting a day off right with sizzling eggs and all that. And all that creates an experience along with all this excellent gear it's going to make you more comfortable and stay out there longer. So you can be more like that guy on the cover and have a better shot at it. Everything's so much better. And, uh, I think it's, it's, I mentioned it earlier. I think but with all the competing elements, like my wife loves the outdoors, she loves the mountain bike. She loves the snowboard. She loves her iPad, which she runs with her phone at the same time, 24 seven. There's so many competing elements. If I want her to get into duck hunting, she won't go out there and freeze and go, I just love these birds and being out here in the now she'll, uh, She needs to be comfortable and have a good time in order, not having a television camera point out or helps, it
2: seems like too, but yeah. yeah, My wife wife enjoys a good afternoon deer hunt. She's not so much on the, she's (laughs) done a couple of times with it just because it's a family hunt, like Christmas or Thanksgiving, but other than that, it's mostly an afternoon deer hunt.
1: I got a couple questions on, Drew, I want to ask you about the sentimental part of the hunt. I guarantee you with you and Beckham, if I said, What's the most sentimental part of the hunt, and you would either say, Being with my kids or my dog, but taking those two out of the picture, friends and all that, okay, this has nothing to do with camaraderie. What are you sentimental to when it comes to gear because we are talking about the two thousand twenty one giant gear issue do Are you sentimental to gear, and to where I'm going with this, Josh and drew and drew, you're going first, sorry, is we get boxes of this stuff, right? Josh, you got. Right. I'm looking at that rack behind you, and you're probably like, I don't. I got to the point in my career. I'm like, I don't know if I ever need to walk into a sporting goods store again. It, it's almost like we take it for granted. Right. Have you lost your sentimental touch to the gear part of this game, or do you still get giddy about it? And you have sentimental parts of your hunt still, as far as gear goes.
2: Oh, for sure. I mean, like, you you've seen my hat how how nasty it is. Of course, I mean, I, I, you know, I can't I can't not wear my my little uh, outfitter hat. But, uh, but there's, there's still, I mean, just, just, just because they keep changing and keep getting things, uh, uh, that are better each year. So there, each year I still have, you know, some of the stuff I've had for, you know, 20 years, but I also, uh, still get giddy. It's like Christmas time when you get that new, new box of gear. Of course, of course, my, uh, uh my, my family loves it whenever we change uh brands or something like that, which, which our sponsors change or something like that because they're all getting to be my size. And it's like, ooh, let's go to Drew's house. <laughs> Christmas time. <laughs> and it's Christmas time. But back back to that psyche, it's just like when we were little kids, you get a new pair of T shoes, like, man, look how much faster I can run in these shoes. <laughs> it's, yeah. the same, it's the same thing. <laughs>
1: Josh, do you have sentimental feeling of a jacket or a pair of waders? If somebody touches them, do you get that look of like, uh, it's about to be go time if you don't take your paws off of them kind of attitude?
3: Yeah, depending on what it is. Now, I try to wear everything that we're coming out with just to, you know, as far as the testing aspect of it and and keep up with it. But I still have three or four pieces that are going to be with me every time I leave the house. And there's one jacket that I've had since we first made it. And they made it before I went to work full time for them. And I had it then, I still have it. And it's the Pathfinder. I know everybody knows what the Pathfinder is. It was a, it's a waterproof shell jacket. It does not breathe. You will sweat, but it's just something about it. I wore it every single day, one year. And it literally rained almost every day. I think it's 2015, it rained a ton. We were hunting in the woods every day and I kept that Pathfinder with me and it never failed me. So I keep it in my Lear Locker and it goes with me in the summertime if i'm out dog training i'll throw it on if it starts raining it, it's just one of those pieces that stays with me
1: i love it um I, i'm gonna ask you another question beckham but i gotta point out something to skip Knowles over there skip if you look right to your right of josh beckham you, you see that backpack you see that skip yeah you got to get one of those if you don't have one of those you got to text josh after this and get one of those because that's the best backpack ever built for the waterfowl hunter okay i just want to say that real quick josh take a couple minutes and explain some of this technology with you've mentioned aspire a couple times drew and i don't know about skip skip may have but we've been lucky enough to wear this in testing phases as well as all season last year amazing amazing Talk about the technology, the innovation behind it, and what is the Aspire series by Bandit that folks can read about in the new gear issue of Wildfell?
3: So so the Aspire series, we did a soft launch last year. I know Drew wore it. You wore it. I wore it a lot. Uh, the waders, a three-in-one jacket, and uh, we had an insulated bib that we did, too, for dry field hunting or, or whatnot. And the biggest thing of the Aspire is the membrane we use in it. It is event fabric. So event fabric is a membrane that we put inside of these pieces for waterproof and breathability in that, in that piece. So a lot of the competitors of event, they're putting coatings on the back of their membrane, which decreases the breathability and decreases the breathability rate, which in all places it's different, but where me and Drew hunt and you come and travel to Arkansas and Louisiana we sweat so the more breathable a product is that vapor is able to leave out that jacket so 30 minutes after the hunt like we talked about earlier you're not freezing to death so actually i I did some testing with the aspire jacket last year because i wanted to see how much it breathed because i've never ever been able to wear a primal liner inside my jacket anywhere i've ever hunted and i'm sure drew can attest to that you just can't do it down here Vest and, is
2: about the, 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 about the extent of mine.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I wear a vest if it gets really, really cold. Oh, right. But most of the time, I'm a mid-layer. But, but I motor, can take that off. <laughs> and the uh, only reason I wear a shell is because I work a dog every day. Right. Uh, but that, that membrane is the most waterproof, breathable membrane there is in the world, hands down. There's a lot of good ones out there, but this one has been proven in a lab against all the other ones. It is the best. And when you start talking about comfort and durability and all all the factors that we look for in those membranes and pieces, the Aspire is at the tip top of the game. And back to the 3-in-1, I I wore the 3-in-1 and and it's got a Primaloft gold liner in it. We use silver and everything else. So it is a little bit warmer. Um, I, I was sweating, but it's not to the point where the jacket is breathing and it's not to the point where when you take your jacket off the back of your shirt's wet at your lower back, you can feel that you're sweating, but when you take it off two hours later, you're dry. And that's what we want because once we sweat and we get chilled down, that's when we get cold and we're ready to go, or somebody's ready to go, or somebody wants another jacket or a heater or whatnot.
1: Talk to me a second, real quick Beckham on the gloves. Drew mentioned gloves before there's an Aspire set of gloves. Um, these are unbelievable. Why would somebody want to choose the Aspire glove over another bandit glove or over another manufacturers? There's a lot of good gloves out there, but this is a pet peeve of mine because you mentioned having a hard time finding a top that breathes or whatever you're, what, whatever you're looking for in, in your layering system in your top a good glove is hard to find that actually keeps a water fowler's hands warm or better yet gets skip you'll know what i'm talking about here because you love to hunt water getting them warm after you put out the decoy spread okay because decoy spreads for gloves for years you know the neoprene glove you take them off your hands are still pretty chill how how would you describe this aspire glove in being able to keep the hands warm and getting the hands warm again after they get cold
3: the Aspire glove is is jam-packed full of Primaloft gold insulation. It is also made with event fabric, and it's got a leather palm on it. So Eric and Christian have mapped that glove out to put that Primaloft in the direct spots that it needs to be, not just maybe in the palm or just on the top of the hands, because most of the time it's not your palm or your top of your hand, it's your fingertips. So there is actually Primaloft all the way down each fingertip and around both sides that will, that will speed up the rate that your hand – is warmed up once you go back into the glove after you may have put your decoys out but you can put decoys out with that glove on you just can't shoot with it it's not it's not a utility glove per se it's it's riding to the blind or riding a a
1: four-wheeler or putting out decoys exactly skip when you hear josh talk like that about shooting with the glove on have you found your ultimate system skip because to me having all of these little elements that that Drew and Beckham are hitting hitting on is what's going to bring us the best pleasure in what we call a very difficult time of uh, or a very difficult part of the hunting industry is waterfowl hunting. It can be very uncomfortable if we don't take care of ourselves, leading us to get out of the field. One of the biggest things, Skip, is that shooting finger in your hands. you got your hand out. Can you call with a glove on? Is there a glove out there that I could buy that I could call and operate a short weekend can, a goose call, or a spec call with? Because I need that back pressure. I need that manipulation of sound. Plus, I don't want my fingertips to get cold. I want my hands to be comfortable, Skip. You alluded to the fact that your feet would be uncomfortable times how important has this gotten in your career of keeping your hands warm and out of harm's way skip because for years i was like oh man i don't need it i can i can withstand that but man it gets more and more uncomfortable and now some some a little bit of arthritis has set in what does this mean to your hunting career skip
0: did it again sorry about that uh, I've had this problem for years, and um, I had some premium gloves that were that were Gore-Tex, promised waterproof from elite brands. That uh, I'd be up in Cold Bay, Alaska, or somewhere, and I just can't believe my glove is soaked. Now we do get water running into the back of the glove, and gloves have a million stitches and seams compared to a larger item, but um, they can be real problematic, and they can make you miserable in a hurry. What I've taken to doing over the years is taking a larger big insulated waterproof decoy style glove with me in the blind bag that'll preferably come up to at least here and go over outer layers. So that when you're running in the boat and grabbing the the wet dog and the cold metal gunnels of the boat and dealing with the wind of the boat and then putting out decoys, you have these big warm boss, you know, bulletproof gloves. And then when I'm in a blind or a layout or anything else, I'll take them off and I'll wear typically a ish glove on my left hand and a light one on my right, just for that issue. So you yeah. can't use your gun with a fat glove, and if you drop it and a, rip it off in your teeth and stuff it in your gun, you're on and off and getting cold. But a light glove on the right hand and a heavy one on the left, and a big burly pair for getting there and putting the decoys out, has been my go-to. If one glove could solve all those problems, I see Drew's nodding. Agree, one hundred percent. Got to get one you can call with, and you know, and load your gun with too. that's that's my program if one glove could solve all those problems that'd be kind of
1: cool i agree 100 percent. i think that one of the things that we need to touch on in this conversation is the science we've talked a lot about science right now with innovation um, the research the r&d the research and development josh becca mentioned the field testing process a lot goes in to making us hunters successful and comfortable we might take this for granted like a lot of times hunters take for granted all of the conservation efforts that guys like drew keith are involved in and the work that's being done behind the scenes with sweat equity and elbow grease to ensure habitat and all of this stuff there's a lot of things that go in to this lifestyle that an everyday hunter could go well i didn't think about that drew talk to me a second because i've heard you talk about I think you call it pie-facing. I think Southerners call it pie-facing. This wears a guide out. You work your butt off to put the birds in the decoys. And then all of a sudden, Chad Belding's looking up there like, oh, see, and I'm just like getting yelled at. The, The science, Josh Beckham and Drew Keith, Drew, I want to ask you first because you see this every day, and I know Josh does too, camouflage. We have patterns on these garments that we're talking about. I want to know the truth right now. Do we need camouflage or is it just to make us feel, Oh, I'm so giddy because I feel my success rate is because of shadowing and camouflage in the mix of all of this and the science that goes behind camouflage. Drew Keith, go first, please. Do we need camouflage patterns?
2: Well, look, I, as a kid growing up, I killed a lot of things in, in uh, blue jeans and, and, um, you know, flannel shirts and this, that and the other. Um, as you become a better hunter, you can get away with more. Uh, but for for me, when I'm taking clients, I'm taking, you know, 50, 60 year old men who've never hunted before in their life. They need to be camouflaged to the T. I mean, I just, their eyeballs sticking out because just like you said, um, if you stand there and when we try to, you know, you've seen our blinds, we try to make majority of our blinds all facing West. So you're, you're in the shadows on a bluebird day. Um, but that helps with the, with the, the, Unexperienced hunter, you know, so, so the more, um, depends on who you're hunting with, but for, for most of, most of the time for us, we're taking, uh, people who don't hunt very much. And so the, the camouflage is, is most definitely, most definitely, uh, critical into the success of, uh, of, uh, getting the birds in close enough for them to be able to get a a good lethal shot on.
1: Josh Beckham, I love what you touched on right there, brother, about, um, the experience level of a hunter because i've had some really really good timber hunts wearing i'm sure you have one of the avery jackets behind you one of the wax jackets i've had a lot of joel wicker at prairie wings he he lives and dies by that jacket right um but I really feel that with a good, and Real Tree's done a great job with their timber pattern. Other camouflage companies are doing well. There's digital patterns, all this stuff going on. There's a different mindset and ideology by every person out there to each his or her own, but- Josh Beckham, when you put on a camouflage pattern, and again, I mentioned Realtree because I'm looking at the gear issue. They have Max 5 right here. I've heard rumors that there's a new one coming out for 2022, excited as heck. And then the timber pattern that Realtree has done, Mossy Oaks done patterns. There's a lot of them out there. Nat Gears, an Arkansas-based company that has a camouflage pattern. In your experiences, Josh, with the dealer base and the in-consumer, is this eye candy, shelf candy, Wool being pulled over our eyes, or is this something that a true, proven duck hunter like yourself that is going in there and putting your reputation on the line of like, look, I believe in this pattern, I believe in this garment with this pattern on it. Do you truly feel that camouflage is a necessity and a benefit for the duck hunter, Josh Beckham?
3: I think that camo has a time and place for everything, and just like Drew said, depending on who you're dealing with, and you've hunted with a lot of inexperienced hunters, and I have too, you know keeping them concealed because they may not understand stay in the shadow, you know, and that camo is going to help break up any kind of outline they, they give off. And if they move, it may not be as a drastic reaction by the birds. If they're wearing camo compared to if they're wearing a solid, because we know you wear a solid, you go stand in the shadows, but There is a time and place because if you were that solid in the clouds, there is no shadow to get in. You may look like a black blob or a dark brown blob and they can pick you out. I mean, they don't travel from Canada to Louisiana and not get killed. (laughs) I can assure you that. And by the time they've gotten to us, they've seen everything there is to see. Uh, But I do think camo is a necessity. And I think in the store, a lot of guys who go hunting, they, you know, They associate that with camouflage, you know, solid is a, is a big player right now and it's bigger than it ever has been. I think, you know, at least in my time. And we have some solid color pieces that we've done and they do well, but we also have a lot of camo that does really, really well.
1: I I think that what you said is so dead on of the experience levels of hunters. And I want to tell hunters that your success rate, in my opinion, Josh Beckham, and I'm going off of what you just said is If you mix the right pattern in the right situation with the ability to learn shadows, movement, when to move, you know, we all have the tendency to look at the wrong time sometimes. But as you get further and further into your career of a hunter, a duck hunter, I'm saying deer hunters the same. You know when to draw back your bow, a turkey hunter, you know when to shoulder your shotgun. You start to learn this. My daughter goes out and the canvas backs are coming right at her. I'm like, wait, wait, she's standing up like she's got all the time in the world. They flare off and she's having the best time of her life. Maybe in five years, she's going to be like more stealthy, right? As we learn to be more stealth, camouflage helps us to be stealth. Okay, bottom line, because there's a reason why military wears it when they're stealthy snipers up in the hills. There's a lot of different reasons and and, and applications for camouflage. I believe of what Beckham just said is the gospel of the experience level and camouflage. There's a time and a place, but the two of them mixed together are your number one deadliest combination when it comes to camouflage camouflage and moving all around they're going to pick you apart but camouflage with stealth, it's going to make you. Because I've been in the timber on bluebird days. I promise you I could have been doing jumping jacks down there. And I could have been wearing pink tutu like Drew does sometimes on Friday nights. And I could have probably killed the greenheads because it was just time to kill them. But most days in the timber, if you're moving around, you're not getting them. you got to kick the water at the right time. you got to not give them something to pick out. Because they're always, when they get that south in the flyway, they're looking for the boogeyman all the time. So I love what you guys are saying about camo. I love the Layering aspect. I love the technology. I love the mindset. You know what I really love is walking into Honey Break and seeing all those waiters hanging and all those jackets and those lockers getting ready to be put on. This is game time, man. This is our Super Bowl. We're not athletes anymore, but dang it, we get to hunt with some of them. Riley Green looks like a freaking football player still, but he's just Riley Green, the duck hunter when he's at Honey Break. He might sing I Wish Grandpa's Never Die in front of 14,000 people the other night at Orange Beach, but when he's at Honey Break, he's just one of us and he gets so giddy to see all of that camo and all of that gear.
2: I'm, I'm getting chills just thinking about
1: it. <laughs> yeah, and that's and R- Riley told me, and I know you're very good friends with Riley Green too. And I, I'm sure Beckham's met him. Riley told me John Party was just in Reno the other day, and he had a concert in front of twenty eight thousand people that night in my hometown. And he's at my house, Drew Keith. We called you on Facetime in the truck. Sure. He's at sure. my house, and all he wanted to talk about was hunting and gear and camo and and i'm not saying that i showed you the back of that truck he didn't go away empty handed the dude was like on the supermarket supermarket sweet uh game show but the guys and girls out there i'm telling you this is such a precious part of being an american hunter we have first of all the manufacturers that are taking the time and the wherewithal to put into this christian curtis eric larsgaard banded Sitka Browning you name it there's work being done right now as we sit on this podcast that's going to ensure us to be better waterfowl hunters deer hunters turkey hunters predator hunters big game hunters of all sorts squirrel hunters I want to be comfortable when I'm chasing squirrels with Jackie Bushman next year but this magazine right here This is the Duck Hunter's Bible, in my opinion. And the reason that I asked Josh Beckham and Drew Keith to be on here with my co-host Skip and I for the Wildfowl 2021 Giant Gear issue is because you guys get it. You know what it takes to be successful. And the reason I say that is that hunting should not be dictated or dependent on a pile pick or somebody else liking your picture on Instagram. I don't give a you-know-what. But what I do care about is that you two and Skip— you get it and what it takes to be successful because success is going to bring what confidence and confidence is going to bring the ability to go back and what we need more than anything at this time in our lives. And Drew, you're unreal with this with four H and the shooting sports and the NWTF and DU and everything that goes into conservation and what honey break stands for. We have to keep these new blood. COVID just got a lot of new blood into the pipeline, fishing, hunting, cooking, whatever it is we got to keep them now. And it's because of this magazine and this innovation that we're talking about and outfitting services and adventure services like Honey Break that are going to keep us here and keep the new blood into it. Because without the new blood, who are you going to sell to, Beckham? Who's who's Jeff going to sell to? Who's Honey Break going to guide? we got to get new blood in here. The old money's there. I get it. It's established. But because of skip and efforts of manufacturers of this magazine that are in this magazine, we're American hunters, man. And this is badass that we get to wear this stuff. Yeah.
2: Look yeah, at it. Our life.
1: It's unbelievable, right, Drew? Look how giddy you are. I know Good that time. you're going to go out your back door right now and get on a wakeboard and flip the wake. <laughs> but right now, I bet you're thinking about mallard ducks and the decoys. Hey,
2: it, it's supposed to be 66 degrees here tonight. We had I uh, saw our first bunch of teal this morning at the farm
1: skip how many times have we heard this in the last four days from tony vandemore terry denman and uh, one other person said we saw our first blue wing tony vandemore saw him up there he had a little cold snap up in northern missouri he's like saw my first blue wing i mean think about how giddy we are for a little thing this big that tastes unbelievable but the thing's this big and it's almost impossible to freaking hit it's almost yeah. impossible to shoot. how crazy are we to get fired up for that little blue wing till this is the best lifestyle in the world josh beckham do you agree I 100% agree. Are you fired uh, up for it? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. What's your well, first yeah. What's your I've first excursion?
3: Be, uh, I'll teal hunt a little bit in Arkansas, but I, I don't get to do much teal hunt anymore. That's uh, our busy time. Up until duck season, really, I was supposed to go to Canada. Uh, I've scratched that for other reasons, but um, I may go to North Dakota, but outside of that, I'll be Arkansas, Louisiana, come November.
1: Skip Knowles, you hear Josh Beckham talk about teal hunting. One thing that comes to mind is Drew and I, his mutual friend, and Josh, you know Leith Lawton. He wrote a song called Cottonmouth. The Cottonmouth song's not about the cottonmouth snake, but when I hear wing tail, I think of cottonmouth snakes. Drew, do you see a lot of cottonmouth still in Louisiana, or have you what they call, quote-unquote, eradicated them? I'm going to think that's impossible. And Skip, would you go hunting with drew keith and the honey break boys knowing that you were going to have a cotton mouth encounter go ahead drew first and then skip
2: well first off christian curtis won't go hunting with me in teal season or turkey season because he's definitely afraid of snakes <laughs> and, and uh and uh the first time i took him teal hunting we get out there and, and we miss the we missed the boat road and i'm shining out across there we, we have the jerry likes to put reflectors on everything and usually we use red and green well this time he bought some like yellow look ones, which is the same color as a uh, alligator's eyes. And so when I shined <laughs> over when I when I shined over to where I thought the pit was, I see two sets of I saw four four little eyes over there. I was like, hmm, that's gator's. <laughs> and, and Chris, Chris said, hm, what? What you say, Doug? <laughs> hey, ah, it's just the an alligator. And said, on going. And I was like, Y'all, y'all waiting, let me go. So I, w- I waited over there. And it's like, all right, come on, we're gonna walk from here. And I was like, I watched that snake right there and he kept on walking. He's like, stop. It's like, come on, just go around and it's fine. we we'll are get in the blind. I'll get to the blind. I was like, all right, y'all go ahead and get in there. I'm going to go put the decords out. So I'm putting the decoys out. I look back. I mean, you know, putting like four dozen decoys out for two a couple of days. you know, sweating. Look back. They're all standing on top of the blind. I was like, what are you doing? You, you're, you're a hunter. You got it before. What's the dip? <laughs> I ain't going in that black hole first. You said you saw <laughs> alligators over here. <laughs> So you, uh, you you have to be uh, uh, one with the snakes, and, and like I say, most of the time uh, you, you uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, when I was a kid, I was definitely afraid of them, and, and spiders, but kind of, it's kind of part of the job. You got to learn uh, which which spiders are poisonous and which ones aren't, and, uh, and you learn which, one, which snakes are poisonous and which ones aren't, and for the most part, if you make enough noise, they're going to get out of the way. Uh, but, you know, they don't want to, they don't want to be with you any more than you want to be with them. But uh, if you get if you start messing with them, that's whenever they start uh, uh I guess be going into the attack mode. And and cotton mouse probably are more aggressive than anything else. But uh oh. did you see the video the other day from uh when I was cleaning out the control structure and the gator was in there?
1: Yeah, the one you text me, I would have that, that would flip me out a little bit.
2: That was a little uh, I was not playing for it. I had my, my radar was set for snakes and I you know, I beat all around the pipe, you know, get making sure the snakes were gone and got in there and reached down with both arms oh. to my into that deal and pulled it out and I'm like and I saw this stick coming out. I was like and I was grabbing sticks to you know get the mud off of it. And I was like, oh man, there's a good stick. And I bent down, I was like, that's not a stick. It's <laughs> a teeth coming at me. Oh, God dang it, dude. And that's when I base jumped from the top of that slippery pipe all the way to the land over there from the <laughs>
1: Skip, before before you answer about uh, the teal hunt and the snakes, Drew Key set the record straight. Is alligator good to eat? Yes or no?
2: 100
1: percent oh i wish i had some god it is go the lower jaw and the tail i love to eat alligator that's the only reason i would go besides you know what you guys do with your guiding and stuff i'm like to the point in my alligator hunting career that i've done it i love it i enjoy it but i don't need to kill another one i just want to eat all the ones y'all kill them same way with mountain lion hunting i'll chase them with dogs all day long but it's going to be somebody else that arrows them or puts them down i have i love it all i love every bit of hunting but uh, skip Have you eaten alligator? Have you eaten it at Honey Break with one of my favorite humans in the world? And Miss Shelley's sizzling squirrel recipe is in the new provider cookbook that comes out November 9th. (laughs) I got a picture of Miss Shelley in there showing me how to cook squirrel. And she's admitted on camera that if it's roadkill, she's picking it up and cooking it still. I freaking love that lady. Have you been there, Skip? Have you eaten Miss Shelley's cooking? Have you eaten gator? And would you go on a cotton mouth infested teal hunt with Drew Keith?
0: I've eaten a ton of gator. I'm from North Florida as a kid, and you know, really grew up hunting in the South Georgia swamps. And I remember buzzing along a uh, South Texas marshes with my dad mm-hmm. in his little car topper boat, and seeing a great big cottonmouth slide into the water. Dad had barely slowed the boat down, grabbed his old Stevens double barrel twelve gauge, and one arm, boom! <laughs> uh, I it was He's a uh, half deaf. because my dad slipped in a muddy trail, fell on his face in the dark, and. Uh, A great big cotton mouth was from me to the computer screen, about two feet from his head, just laying there. And his buddy, Ned Cheshire, reached over with his 20 age and blew the snake away. Yeah, Lee. Got rid of the rest of my dad's hearing, but it's pretty normal to me. I've seen snakes in Arkansas and Louisiana pretty late in the fall. I I shot one when I was standing in flooded timber. I think it was November, just a little cotton mouth dangling near me. But I don't have near the snake hang-ups that some people do. I could tell snake stories all day, but my sister got bitten by a coral snake when I was a kid in Florida. But I didn't tell the subtext we were trying to catch it and we'd already <laughs> <laughs> I do love alligator I'm a little confused because I've got some some buddies in north Florida that killed five gators over 12 feet long one of them up to 14 feet just sure. giant 800 pound prehistoric monsters and they insist to me that the big ones are good to eat too The last one I killed was nine and a half feet and it was like wadding up a, a piece of notebook paper in your mouth and chewing on it, chewing on it until really. Did you fry it? And they they insist that the big ones are just as good to eat. Yeah, yeah. I, I fried it and I tried to smoke some, which was weird, but
2: yeah. Well, uh, one of my favorite ways to do it was uh, t- like take speckle belly, which is dry meat, and then take the uh, gator and cube it up like into uh, like stew meat, and then uh, so you have the grease out of the gator and then the dry speckle belly, and you when you make that down on like a sauce bacon. A little red gravy. Oh, that sounds good.
0: The big gators too, Drew? What's that? Eat the big Gators, too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Fine. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Must have just had a bad one. But, yeah. I don't let snakes slow me down, Chad. And I think Nothing slows working.
1: you down, Skip. Nothing. Nothing slows you down.
0: Bugs. I remember hunting down there at Bigger's Place one year, and in your peripheral vision, you think the teal are coming in, and you see this of <laughs> giant mosquitoes, you know. <laughs> big you can see their
2: eyes you know yeah it's yeah. a state bird they freak me out a little bit state like, bird. <laughs> state
1: bird guys this has been good i love the, the good, passion the, the,
2: good, the good thing about louisiana now that the, the women are getting so much botox that the, uh, it's messing with the beaks on the mosquitoes when they hit them so they're all <laughs> <perfect> like that <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh just kidding women of Louisiana just kidding yeah. hey yeah. this has been awesome josh What's up with Bandit? Where can we find you? I know Simmons has got it. Final Flight's got it. Max Prairie Wings is so awesome. Their catalog store in Stuttgart, Arkansas. Dealers all over the country. Great brand. Josh, you the man. Any closing words? Where can we find Bandit? Where can we find him online, on social media? Give us something to go out on.
3: You can find us on social media, on Instagram at Bandit Brands. Uh, Facebook is Bandit Brands. Uh, if, if you're in the South, I cover Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, Oklahoma. Uh, Adam Piles, he covers Arkansas, Missouri. You can He gets from Rogers to Dunn's to Presley's, Max, D&W, Final Flight, uh, Simmons, Vans in Mississippi. I'm leaving tomorrow morning for a big expo in Mississippi. It's supposed to be the largest uh, outdoor expo Mississippi's ever had. Uh, Vans, one of our good dealers over there, they're going to have a booth there. Uh, You can go to Texas. We're in all the Shield stores. Uh, Texas just opened up a brand-new Shield store. It's the largest sporting goods store in the world, 331,000 square foot of every every brand that you can possibly imagine. And uh, there's a lot of good brands out there. Our favorite bandit, Drew, is uh, on board with us. He does a lot of good stuff down at Honey Break with us, and I know you do too, Chad. Um, One thing I do want to close in words with us is, there's a lot of there's a lot of brand bashing that we see over the internet. The internet's created a lot of chaos. But I told a guy the other day, and he was with another brand. Rusty Chris, he's with Frog Togs, and I, I told him, you know, we can all be on the same team because we're in this for one reason, and that's that's for the ducks. But we can swing a, a separate bat. You know, we don't have to swing the same bat, but everybody's on the same team.
1: I couldn't agree more, and I think that we need to get back to that of losing the ego. Humility playing more of a role in our lives, and we got to protect hunting and we got to be in this together. We are on the same team, and uh, you know, everybody wants to win the world series, but if baseball was under attack, I promise you that Mike Trout and Aaron Judge would be on the same team in a heartbeat. So we need to look at it like that. The same Very way well
2: outfitters. said, same, same way, with, as, same way, same with outfitters the same thing, you know. Uh, uh, different places do different things, but we're all, we're all in it for one thing, you know. It's
1: about the duck drew you got to separate you kind of separated yourself apart though with michelle i mean i'm gonna go down there and eat her cooking <laughs> i don't care if i see a duck
2: but Not i do see a lot a of Shelly. ducks
1: i do see That's a lot her. of ducks at honey break but i'm going for the food i'm going for Miss michelle i'm almost afraid sometimes to walk into the lodge because i feel like i don't belong i feel like i'm still like this little trailer <laughs> trash duck hunter over here on the right and i'm just gonna stay out of the place the place is just unbelievable skip I know you've been to Honey Break. I know you can't wait to get back. I assume you have. I shouldn't say I know. Skip, this has been another banger. I appreciate your time. Everybody, on the newsstands, in your mailbox, the 2021 giant gear issue from Wildfowl Magazine. It's unbelievable. 196 pages of the gospel. Can't thank you enough, Skip, for all your effort, all your team's effort at OSG and what you guys have done. Another stellar presentation of the culture of duck hunting and all the brands that represent it thank you josh beckham banded brands Brands bandedbrands.com drew keith honey break the honey break experience on real tree 365 follow drew and jared and miss shelley and tat all the badass individuals and crew at honey break i've been on record of saying you'll never find a better operation never You won't see it from the way that the equipment looks to the way that the food tastes. It's unbelievable experience. Skip Knowles, do you have any closing words to take us out of the waiter's apparel and camo section of the gear issue at Wildfell Magazine?
0: Actually, you know, like always, you may be really hungry We're talking about gator meat, and we talked about you know, in the past, and it always comes up, so I'm ready to go eat. But I just would like everyone to to focus on the fact that we, what we touched on earlier, um, the, the good old days really are now. I mean, we went out and shoot one or two hundred snow geese. Our ancestors didn't do that Sixty in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They made the news if they shot a goose. We'll uh, regularly limit, you know, a dozen guys now on honkers. And uh, we, they didn't have those opportunities in the past. And uh, one really cool thing that's in the current Wildfowl September issue written by my friend John Gordon um, over at Ducks Unlimited is the reason we have a blue wing teal season and, and early teal season is because hunting was so bad in the late 50s um, due to drought, the hunters were leading the sport and they would try to create more opportunity. That's that's when the early teal season was created. So sure, there were those, those black cloud days um, through the 70s and 80s and 90s, but um, we got a lot to celebrate now. I just like people to focus on that.
1: Celebrate good time. Come on. Got to celebrate. I know you all love cooling the gang. Chad Belling, Skip Knowles, Drew Keith, Josh Beckham, the foul Eye Podcast, the 2021 Wildfowl Magazine Giant Gear Issue. Thank you all for being here. Tom, Jake, hit that button. We're going to go out with a standard right now. This is usually the theme song of This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast and the Foul Life television show, but we're going to make it the theme song of this episode. This is Leith Lofton singing a song that Leith Lofton and Drake White wrote together. This is called What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone. Y'all take care.
0: We're all equal, that's what I think. I don't
3: believe heaven has a bank. Make good use of your time on earth and don't make a dollar bill all this worth
0: cause I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul